So Acts chapter number 5 tonight. Acts chapter number 5, and it is a blessing. Uh, let me encourage you, we're in the process of getting some things. We're going to hang all of our missionary letters out there on the wall uh, for everybody to see. I'm in the process of getting through all of that as we just had our business meeting and re-upped some of our missionaries, did some uh, different things there. We're getting ready to go uh, put them all out there. And let me encourage you this, when the, when the letters get out there, read them. Uh, they don't type them out for their health. They type them out to report to us what they're doing. And uh, you know how to pray for them better um, if you'll do that. And so let me encourage you to do that. You've been sitting for a few minutes. Let's stand together as we read just one verse, Acts chapter number 5 and verse number 20. This is the angel of the Lord by night when the prison doors got opened here. He said this to him in verse number 20. He says, go, stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. I'm going to preach to you tonight a message called go, stand and speak. Uh, Go, stand and speak. Let's pray, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the time we have to be here tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you uh, speak to us through it. Lord, I ask you please to... Do what we cannot do. Lord, I pray that you just use your word. Lord, I know that uh, I am nothing. And apart from you, none of us are anything. But Lord, we claim your promise that your word will not return void. Lord, I pray tonight as we go through your word that you'll encourage us in the things of God. That you'll strengthen us. Lord, that you'll give us more boldness to serve you. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory for it. If there's anyone here that's not saved, I pray they'll trust you. But Lord, I pray that you'll strengthen the saint of God tonight to be a uh, a more bold witness for you. And Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. We have gone through, we talked about prayer last week. Uh, we were discussing in chapter number four, uh, what happens when the church prays. And uh, listen, I think there's power in prayer. Uh, it's, it's very important for us to pray. You hear missionaries come through all the time and they're like, man, we thank you for your financial support. But the most important thing is prayer. Listen, they don't just say that. That's true. The most important thing that we can do, not just for our missionaries, but for our own personal lives, is to develop an attitude of prayer. We need to learn how to pray once again. We need to learn what it means to actually go before God in prayer. And it's not just these little uh, uh, perfunctory prayers that we just say, you know, well, Lord, it's just this little uh, non-serious prayer. It's actually a, a sincere, heartfelt prayer. And We need to go to the the Word of God and we need to go to our knees in prayer on a daily basis because this is what helps us in our life. I was reading this morning, I had the opportunity today to preach over at Emmanuel uh, Christian School in in Hagerstown and I spoke to the the young people and came to James chapter 4 where it says, what is life? It is just here, it, it is but a vapor, it appears for a little while and vanisheth away. And I just begin to think about life and begin to think about what is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? What do we uh, do with life? And the, the meaning of life is found in a question, and that is where am I going to spend eternity? Where am I going to, when I die physically on this, where am I going to spend eternity? 
And I got to thinking about, I'm glad for a man one day in the 60s that came in Cleveland, Ohio and knocked on my granddad's door, told them how to be saved. And I was thinking about all that today, about a soul winner who led my granddad and my grandmother to Christ. And because of that, the gospel's been going down through my family throughout all this time. And God's allowed us to have many preachers in our family. And what a blessing that is. And I got to thinking about, man, if it weren't for uh, prayer and people praying for uh, lost souls, and if it weren't for people willing to take those prayers and make them active in their life, then uh, we'd all be uh, in a world of trouble, wouldn't we? Well, here in uh, the book of Acts, we're going through and all about the power of God raining down. And uh, I have to thinking about, man, I would love to see a Pentecostal day, a Pentecost day again. I'd love to see 3,000 people trust Christ as their Savior. And then I'd love to see them daily added unto the church, such as should be saved. I, I'd love to see that again. And oftentimes we get very pessimistic about those things and we think there's no way that we're ever going to see that stuff happen again and you know what with those kind of attitudes we never are going to see those things again but I'm glad God is still on the throne and I'm glad God is still the same God that he was back in the times of the book of Acts and I'm glad that he's still the same God that wants to give us power but it all became because there was a group of people that were willing to obey God and learn how to pray learn how to pray it said they were all in one accord in prayer and supplication and I just begin to think about all throughout, so far we've been reading through in the book of Acts, chapter number one, where uh, he told him, Terry, here in Jerusalem, I'm going to pour out my spirit. And he said, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then in chapter two, we read about Pentecost and where Peter preached and man, 3,000 people were saved. And then in chapter three and chapter four, you had the man at the gate called Beautiful. And here's Peter and John walking by and they see this man and he says, uh, can you help me? I'm paraphrasing and they say silver and gold have I none but such as I have I give to thee uh, rise up and walk and he believes in what they're talking about and he he gets strength back in his legs and they walk in and man people are saying how can you ignorant unlearned men do all this stuff and they said you're focusing on us and it's not about us it's all about the Lord and they preach Jesus they said it's him who you've crucified and man they put him in prison and they told him not to preach anymore in his name and they go back and they tell them, listen, they told us not to do that anymore. And uh, the people just said, hey, we can't help but pre preach the things which we have seen and heard. And uh, now here we are in chapter number five. And this has to do with Ananias and Sapphira. And you know where uh, you've heard about uh, those things at the end of chapter four. Remember, they all were praying and they sell their possessions and give them. I'm preaching to you tonight about going home and selling and giving it to the church. Brother, them and give it to them. I'm just kidding. It, if, you, if people say, well, preacher, you're going to tell us, sell everything we have and give it to the church. Sell everything we have, give it to the church. No, but you ought to be willing to do it. See, the fact is, the church, we're going to sell it and give it uh, people have need, and we're going to uh, help, help each other out and do all of this stuff. Well, Ananias and Sapphira will say, hey, we're going to sell this piece of land that we have, and we're going to give it all to God. Whatever we get out of it, we're going to give that to the work of the Lord. And here we are in, chapter, in verse number one, and I'm going to go down through this, but I'm going to talk about go standing and speaking in the temple tonight, but we're going to go back and set the groundwork for it in uh, chapter number five, verse number one. It says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. That part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, why hath... Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, 
Was it not thine, in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? That thou hast lied unto men, hath not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on them all that heard these things. And the young men arose and wound him up and carried him out and buried him. And it was about the same space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which hath buried thy husband are at the door, and shall carry thee out. Then fell she straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, and found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came on the, upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. Now, I heard these things growing up. I heard the story of Ananias and Sapphira, and there was times I used to think to myself, Brother Sawyer, why was God so mean that he would just kill these people just for only giving part of uh, some land? They were still giving. They were doing a good work. They were giving to the church. They were still uh, trying to do something and help out, but it, it, it was deeper than all of that. They had promised God something. They promised God that you can have it all. That everything that I get from this piece of land, from this possession, I'm going to sell and I'm going to give it to you. And that's what God had put on their heart and that's what they did or that's what they said they were going to do. But what happens is I don't know if whether they got more for it than what they were expecting to get. I don't know if uh, maybe they just had second thoughts about it. But all I know is they didn't give all of what they got. They only gave part of what they got. And they come down and they, they begin to do this. And I thought, man, why would God not just you know punish them in a different way? Why would they fall down dead? Why would they uh, do those kind of things? And I begin to think to, my, to myself, man, that's kind of uh, a brutal decision, isn't it? That's kind of, but then I begin to think, well, God's allowed to do whatever he wants to do. And I also began to think it got deeper in this. And as I was uh, studying into it, God revealed a purpose to me is that uh, I want you to take your Bibles quickly to the book of Ecclesiastes. Let's just look at something real quickly. Ecclesiastes. In chapter number five. And look at verse 4 and 5. It says, When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. For he hath no pleasure in fools, pay, that, pay which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow, than thou shouldest vow a vow and not pay. See, the Bible says here that if you vow a vow, it's better for you not to even vow it than to vow a vow unto God and not to keep it. See, the problem was not that they held back some of the, the, the money. The problem was they told God they were going to give it all. And so what they did is they said, you know what, God, you're going to have some of it, but not all of it. And I began to think about what they basically did is they robbed God of what was his. See, the fact of the matter is every one of us that are saved, the Bible says you're bought with a price. That means we belong to God. That means everything about us from the top of our head to the sole of our feet belong to who? To God. And when we get saved and uh, we come down to this altar, we tell the Lord, Lord, everything I have is yours. Lord, you can use me. God, you can do whatever you want to with me. And guess what we do? We get up, we go back to our seat, and we keep back part of it, don't we? 
We say, God, you can have a little bit of it. You can have this part of it. And we wonder why we end up spiritually dead. We wonder why we can't spiritually have the, the, uh, the power of God and the presence of God upon our life. It's because we're holding back something that belongs to the Lord. See, Ananias and Sapphira, I believe this, this took place because God was trying to show us this, the seriousness of holding back something from God. See, they promised God they could have it all. And they only gave him part of it. They lied to God. He says, why do we seem dead spiritually? Because we lie to God. We tell God, you can have me. But we only mean, God, you can have the parts that I want you to have. You can't have all of me, God. You can have some of me. See, God wants all of you. God wants every part of you. You know why? Because anyone that gives their all to God is willing to be molded and shaped the way he wants you to mold and shape you. You know, it's hard to mold a piece of clay when you don't have all of it, when you only have part of it. You're trying to make this design into this a tool that God wants to use, but he only has part of the clay to work with because we're not giving him our all. See, Ananias and Sapphira in this picture uh, held back from God, and it said, and great fear came upon all the church. Wouldn't that make you fearful? If somebody said, preacher, I, I gave my tithes today, and then all of a sudden they fell down dead. He said, because they lied to God. Well, I gave God everything, and boom, here they go, they fall down dead. We think, whoa, that'd scare us, wouldn't it? Well, here they did, they agreed together to lie to God. It wasn't just Ananias' thing. They agreed together that, listen, we're going to lie to God. We're going to keep back part of this for ourselves. They began to look at what they got out of, and I believe that that area of money and possessions really destroy us a lot of times, doesn't it? The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil, piercing them even to sorrows. And the fact is, the reason why is because when we trust in that almighty dollar, we're not trusting in almighty God. See, money means nothing to God. God doesn't need money. You know what, the stock market could crash, the treasury could close down, all, all the gold and everything, and God still is on the throne, and God still can provide, and God still can meet every need. And the fact is, though, oftentimes, Ananias and Sapphira weren't focusing on God and focusing on the work of God. They were saying, oh, we're going to look spiritual by giving this little bit of stuff in here, but we promised God everything. And we only gave God part. There was the promise of Ananias in verse 1 through 11. But I want you to look at verse 12 through 16. It said, In the hands of the apostles were many signs of the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And the rest, uh, of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. And they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them in the beds and couches, least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow them. I thought that was amazing. I was reading that. I said, my goodness, they just wanted the shadow of Peter to overshadow them. Could you imagine having so much of the power of God upon your life, brother guy? Somebody's presence, they can sense God. Could you imagine having that much power of God on your life? See, I know the people were probably looking at Peter 
And you know when they get back to it. But there was a power that was given to the apostles. You remember in Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. It wasn't any special strength that the apostles had in and of themselves other than the Holy Ghost that was there with them that was doing the works uh, on, on the people as we saw. All the healings, all the things that took place. We don't have the power to heal. We don't have the power to do that. But through the Holy Spirit, they did. Through the Holy Spirit, there was miracles done. Through the Holy Spirit of God, He's the one that can uh, make these things happen. But there was a power given to the apostles. They said, just the shadow of Peter to pass by us. If just His shadow would come upon us, man, we would see some healing done and we would see all this happen. I wonder if the presence of God would pour down upon Faith Baptist Church in such a way that people driving by, just the shadow of the church building in the lights, casting upon the road, as they drove by in their cars, they'd just stop and say, you know, what there's something going on there there's something that that's happening in that place that's just gonna make a change in my life and I've got to get there you say oh that really couldn't happen it happened in this passage I mean they just wanted the shadow of Peter to fall upon them. why because they saw things happening and the Holy Ghost of God was raining his power down upon these apostles and uh, as I was reading through it I thought my goodness verse 16 it said there came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folk, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they healed every one. Listen, they all were healed coming through. Why? Because God was showing His power through these people, through the apostles. They were all having the power. Why? It's a weird story because it talks about Ananias and Sapphira to verse 11. And now all of a sudden it just changes about the power of God upon Peter and uh, the presence of God that's there. Can you imagine though, God spoke to Peter and told him that Ananias was cheating God. And he tells him, he said, why did you uh, tempt the Lord? Why did you tempt the Holy Ghost? And listen, God sometimes through his word and through preparation gives the man of God exactly what it is that you need. And when he gets up there to preach, oftentimes you think, well, uh, who told him? Who loaded his wagon about that thing? Well, the Holy Ghost of God did. And that's what he did with Peter that night. And the fact of the matter is when he told him that, listen, then here comes Sapphira, his wife. They agree to get, uh, together to lie to God and they both fall down dead. And that's what happens to us when we lie to God. We are spiritually dead. We can't have the 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 freedom to do what God wants us to do because we're bound in sin. But he's showing us here the power that came through serving the Lord and doing uh, and remaining faithful through all this. Now you remember what has happened to Peter and all them through this. We they've been in prison, they've been threatened. You can't serve the Lord. And it seems like a repetitive thing that we keep reading about in these passages of scripture. The shadow now of Peter, they're just begging for his shadow to pass upon them just so that they can be healed. And it said they brought the sick and the lame and they brought those vexed with spirits. And it said, and they healed them all. Could you imagine, again, having the power and the presence of God upon our life where people just come to Faith Baptist Church and say, listen, I don't know what you guys have, but I know I need what's in that room. I know I need what's coming from that place, and I don't, I've turned everywhere I know to go. I've turned to drugs. I've turned to alcohol. I've turned to all this, and I'm still feeling empty, and I don't know what's going on, but there's something about what's happening in this place that I know can help me. And guess what? God can make the spiritually lame to walk. He can make the spiritually dead to live again. And we just need to get the presence and the power of God. And it all starts back with prayer. It all starts back with prayer and obedience to the Lord. We saw that promise that Ananias made. We saw the power of the apostles 
that were given. But look, verse 17 all the way down through verse 28. I'm not going to belabor all the verses, but here it comes again. Anytime you do anything for the Lord, persecution is going to come. Anytime you try to live right for God, you might as well mark it down. You've got crosshairs on you from Satan. It's just going to happen. Oh, there may be a, a time of it seems like rest and things are going well. But let me tell you what, Satan's forming his army. He's forming the attack. He's got a bullseye on you and he's saying, hey, that's somebody you need to go after. Listen, if Satan doesn't ever come after you, that's because you're not a threat to him. Satan ought to come after you. Why? Because you're serving the Lord. What happened with the apostles here? It says in verse number 17, Then the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which in the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. Now listen, that means they didn't just have a little bit of a problem with what was going on. Filled with indignation means they were angry at what was taking place. Remember, they had just told them, we don't want you to preach anymore. We don't want you to talk anymore about this Jesus. And now here they are still healing people. They're still uh, preaching in the name of Jesus. People's lives are being changed, Brother Will. All these things are still happening. And now this high priest is saying, listen, you guys aren't obeying what you were told to do. And they were angry. They were filled with indignation. There was a hatred that was built up inside of them now. And listen, anytime you try to serve the Lord, the world's going to hate it. They're going to hate it. They're going to mock you. They're going to criticize you. They're going to be as hateful as they possibly can to you. And look at what it says. It says, and they laid hands on the apostles. They weren't trying to heal them. They weren't laying hands on them trying to heal them. Okay? They were doing physical harm to them and put them in, a common, in the common prison. Now, I want you to understand the common prison back then is not the same as the common prison today. They didn't have cable television and a weight room and get a college education while they're in prison. These were prisons where they didn't get to go to the bathroom. They didn't have three square meals a day. They were in a prison, a dungeon, a prison. It says, but the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now listen, I like to see God with a sense of humor. See, I believe God has a sense of humor. You know how I know that? I look in the mirror every day. I know God has a sense of humor. Okay? The fact is, here they are. They were told not to preach anymore in his name. They were told that if they do it, they're going to be put in prison. And they showed them. Listen, they're full of indignation. They laid hands on them, threw them in the common prison. And now the angel of the Lord sets them free and says, go in the temple and tell them all. Go stand and speak about the things that you've heard. But wait a second, God. They just told me not to. No, he let them out. And nobody knew about it. Here they are in the temple preaching again. They were told not to do. Go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered in the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called a council together, all the uh, uh, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came and found them not in prison, they returned and told, saying, The prison truly, uh, the tr prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. Now, when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard all these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. They said, Wait, there's no way. 
There's no way that they got out of that prison. If somebody's standing guard at the gate, there's no way this could happen. Go check again. And look what it said in verse uh, 25. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should have been stoned. So now they're treading lightly, aren't they? (laughs) They're in the temple thinking, these guys just got out of prison. And we don't know how it happened. They're standing teaching in the temple. We're going to walk softly and bring them back. We just want to discuss some things and find out what's happening here. So this persecution is still coming. Look what it says, verse 27. And when they brought them, They set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They said, listen, we commanded you not to do it. Didn't we command you that? Didn't we tell you not to preach anymore in his name? Now listen, (coughs) excuse me, I believe... <clears throat> that we ought to obey the government and have the, there's some laws that we ought to abide by. When the speed limit happens and those kind of things, we ought to abide by those laws. There's things that we ought to do, and the Bible tells us to do that. There's, there's authorities over us that we ought to uh, submit to. But the problem is, when they try to step on into where God's area is in our life, we ought to obey God rather than man. And you're going to see them say that here in just a few minutes. You're going to hear them say that and answer that to these people. There's going to come a day, if the Lord stays his coming, that they're going to tell us we can't worship anymore in the name of the Lord. They're going to tell us we can't preach anymore in his name. They're going to tell us we're not allowed to to talk about the things of God. We're not going to be allowed to call sin, sin. We're not allowed to preach, thus saith the Lord. We're not going to be able to do those things. Why? Because it's too offensive and it's too uh, convicting to preach to people. And, And people that aren't walking with God and people that aren't saved just get full of indignation whenever that conscience is is stirred up inside of them because guess what every one of us have a conscience inside of us that know the difference of right and wrong but there comes a time that our conscience can be seared because we reject God and these people were full of indignation and they probably a little bit embarrassed their pride was hurt a little bit because they put them in prison and now all of a sudden they have no idea how they got out and they're back in the temple just defying the command that they were told But look at Peter's answer in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. Listen, you know why you ought to read your Bible? It's not because the preacher said so. It's because God says so. You know why you ought to pray? It's not because the pastor said you ought to pray. It's because God says pray without ceasing. You know why you ought to give? Because God says give and it shall be given. God says don't rob him. Bring the first fruits. God tells us to do all those things. Why should we come to church? Because God says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Listen, we, we put too much stock a lot of times in what men say. But the Bible says we ought to obey God rather than men. See, the reason that we uh, call ourselves a Bible-believing, independent Baptist church is because the things that we preach in this church ought to back Scripture. Well, not to stand up here and preach our opinions and our philosophies, but thus saith the Lord. Why? Because there's authority in the word of God. And that's what you need to put your trust in. That's what you need to put your faith in. Listen, men will fail. Men will come and go. Men's philosophies and doctrine will burn up. 
But God's word will stand forever. And you need to go to it. And he said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. He keeps rubbing this in their face, doesn't he? Peter knows exactly what to say to him. He said that when they confront him about the miracle of the man at the gate called Beautiful. He said, it was Jesus whom you crucified. <laughs> and now he's telling him again, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be prince and savior for to give the repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. You know what he said? Listen, guys, I don't really care what you said. God told us that Jesus whom you crucified, the one that we got to walk with, the one that we learned from, he's the one that hanged on a tree. He's the one that came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's the only one that can change people's lives. There they were preaching Jesus again. And as they were going down through verse 33, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Listen, rather than repenting, rather than wanting to get right when they heard about Jesus, they wanted to kill the people talking about him. Man, they said they were cut to the heart and they figured out how can we kill them. I don't like having their heart pricked when the word of God does things. And they get full of indignation. They either leave and they start criticizing, persecuting, doing their things. wanted to kill them. It says, verse 34, then stood one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of law. Listen, this wasn't just somebody who was just jumping up in the crowd. This was an educated man. He said, a doctor of law had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourself what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up uh, Thetis, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all, as many as obeyed him, were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men, and let them alone. For if this counsel... For this work be of men, it will come to naught. Now listen, he's right. He's right in what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if, this guy, if these guys are just full of wind, if they're just boasting on themselves, it's going to die out. It's going to come to place. They're going to die. They're going to perish. It's all going to burn off the scenes here. He's like, just leave them alone. He's like, just, just let them alone, he said. He said, because... If it is them, it's going to be scattered and brought to naught. He said, refrain from these men, let them alone. For if the counsel of the work of men, it will come to naught. He said, it's going to, it's going to just vanish off. But look what he also continues to say. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it. Hmm. Here is one of the Pharisees, Gamaliel. You know what he's telling them? A doctor of all, he said, listen, 
If this is of God, nothing you're going to do to these men is going to stop it from going forward. If this is of God, there's nothing that you can do and there's nothing that I can do about it. And the fact of the matter is, there's nothing that the world can do about the word of God. Nothing it can do. Because it has power. And they may, uh, they may kill us one day, they may silence us, but the word of our God will stand forever. The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. It said, but if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. He said, unless you think it's fun to fight against God. By the way, I think he was telling them, listen, you don't want to start that battle. Because if this be of God, you're not going to win. You're not going to be able to overthrow it. Peter's answer was, we have to obey God rather than men. Jesus came to save that which was lost. And now these men are conspiring. Gamaliel's standing up and he's saying, listen guys, let's talk some sense into each other here. I want to I clarify some things. If this is just these men boasting in themselves... It's going to burn up. And guess what? Whenever we try to lift ourselves up, the Bible says pride cometh before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. Everything that happens for the work of the Lord, I want you to understand, is not because of me and it's not because of you. It's all because of God in us. That's what it's about. We can't ever think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. I don't care if, if our church name ever gets put in the sword of the Lord. I don't care if we ever get well known across the land. The fact of the matter is it's not about people noticing you and I. It's about people noticing God in us. That's what it's about. When the name Faith Baptist Church comes out across Martinsburg, I don't want them to say, wow, that's just a wonderful group of people, even though we do have a wonderful group of people. You know what I want them to say? Those people love God. Those people know God. You can sense God's presence when you go to Faith Baptist Church, you know that if you want a prayer answered, you need to ask that church because they're praying people to know that it's all about God. It's not about us. But then there's a punishment that's administered. Verse 40, and to him they agreed. They said, you're right, Gamaliel. And when they had called the apostles, look what it says, and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Listen, they not only were they put into prison, not only were they laid hands on, thrown into that common prison. Now here they were threatened again, given that command again. It said, and they were beaten. Verse 41 and 42, the proclamation continues to advance. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It said they were beaten and said, now get out of here. And you know what most of us would have do? We'd have sucked our thumb, tucked our tail, and ran. And we'd have said, I'm not going to preach anymore in his name. I'm not going to prophesy anymore in his name. I'm not going to do any more in his name. You know what, preacher? I can't go soul winning because last time I did, somebody shut the door in my face. And we get all upset about, well, I'm just, you know, preacher, I'm just not good at talking with people. I'm not a very good orator. But you listen to this, those same kind of people when they're talking about things they really enjoy. And man, they won't be quiet. Yep, 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 yep. You know why we don't talk about the Lord? Because we're not confident in the things of God. 
You say, well, preacher, I, I just agree that some people have more of a gift. You're right, some people do. But everybody that's saved, the Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Well, not to be ashamed to pull a gospel track out and hand it to somebody. Well, not to be ashamed to say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. You know what, on the back of this is some verses out of the Word of God. Change my life completely. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see because of what Jesus did in my life. It has nothing to do with anybody else other than what Jesus can do and only what Jesus can do. And these men beat them, and they threatened them, and they told them to get out of here. You're not able to do it. But you know what they did? They went, stood, and spoke. That's what they were told to do by the Lord, wasn't it? Remember the angel of the Lord, when he released them, he said this, Go, stand, and speak. And so they went in the temple, and they stood and spoke. And they were told by men, don't do that anymore. You're not allowed to preach anymore. You're not allowed to do that. And they said, hold on, my authority comes from somebody higher than you. God told me to go stand and speak. And no matter what you try to do to me, no matter how much you try to silence me, I'm going to go, I'm going to stand, and I'm going to speak. And the proclamation advanced because they counted themselves worthy to suffer shame for their Savior. Listen, we think God's mean to us because somebody calls us a name. We're, we're so sensitive in our Christian life. Stand up for it, because that's all what, that sets men free, is the truth. These men had the truth, and they proclaimed it, and it said, and they departed from the presence of that council, rejoicing. That they were counted faithful to suffer reproach for the Lord. I wonder how many of us say, praise God, I was beat by the council last night because I preached about Jesus. Man, praise God. Brother Ron, they threw me in prison the other day. You ought to have seen their faces when the angel of the Lord let me out and I'm in the temple and they didn't even know we were gone. What a blessing. And then I come back and they threatened us again and beat us. Man, I'm glad God found me worthy to suffer for him. That's not our attitude, is it? We have a totally mixed up mindset. We think, well, I didn't get the seat I wanted when I came to church. The air condition wasn't just right. We get all sensitive about just even coming to church, let alone serving God. Listen, these men count, were counted faithful, they said, rejoiced that they could suffer for the Lord. You wonder why we don't have any power of God in our churches today? Because we have no backbone to stand up for right. Somebody says something about us, calls us a name, criticizes us. Oh, we want to tone it down a little bit. The fact is, we ought not to turn it down. We ought to rejoice in the fact that we're standing up for God. We ought to rejoice in the fact that some people said, you know what, Satan's army's getting nervous about what we're doing. We ought to rejoice in that. When people are getting saved and people begin to criticize, we ought to say, hey, Lord, thank you for counting us worthy that we're suffering for your name, that we're doing what you want us to do. And it said, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Why is it that we have such a hard time spending Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night in the house of God? But it's a daily in the temple, and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know what that meant? That meant to them Christianity wasn't a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night kind of thing. 
It's an everyday thing that you and I ought to be living. And God tells us to go, stand and speak. And that doesn't mean just on church service times. That doesn't mean just on soul winning outreach times. That means we ought to make it a practice every day to preach Jesus. To preach Jesus. Because guess what? I'm not what I once was because of what Jesus did. I'm not on my way to hell because of what Jesus did. And if you're in this room today and you're saved, you owe him a great debt. That he'd hang on an old rugged tree, shed his perfect, innocent God blood because of my sin and because of your sin. That he would even go even further and be put into a borrowed tomb and taste death and hell for you and I. And then three days later, rise again with the keys of death and hell, offering life to anyone who will receive it. And that he did all of the work that you and I could not do. And here's what he says to us, Brother Sawyer. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why is it so easy? Because the hard part was done. And how dare we sit in our pew and say, God, you're asking too much of me. You want me to be a soul winner? You want me to give a tenth? God, you want me to pray? You want me to read my Bible? God, you're asking an awful lot, aren't you? He said, I gave him my only begotten son who did nothing. I gave myself for you. Can't you give your all to me? Or are you going to be Ananias and Sapphira and hold back from God? And you wonder why our country is spiritually dead? Because it's not the world's fault that we're spiritually dead. You understand that. The world's always been wicked. Even back in the days of Noah, since Adam sinned in the garden, death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. It's because God's people won't go stand and speak the things which they have seen and heard. The change that happened in you the day of salvation can happen to somebody else. How dare we just sit around and say, God, you're asking so much of me. Well, no, it's our reasonable service to serve Him with our hearts. What's it going to take to stop you from talking about Jesus? Is it going to take just somebody criticizing you? Is it going to take somebody just making fun of you? Just somebody shutting the door in your face? Maybe it's just fear or pride that stops you. Listen, he said, go stand and speak. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Ye are the light of the world. You know what? We have a job to do. I don't know about you, but I want revival to take place again in our land. But it's got to start here. With us saying this, Lord, here I am. You can have all of me. Nothing held back. Nothing left behind. Lord, here I am. All of me. I wonder how many of you will do that tonight. How many of you are willing to say, Lord, here I am, all of me. I'm available for anything you want for me to do. There sits a man who left this area, went to Toke, Alaska, been gone for many years. Nine years now he's been out there serving the Lord because that's what he felt God wanted him to do. But this is our Jerusalem. This area is where God's put us at. What are we going to do? 
Are we going to hold back from God? I wonder how many people are going to die and go to hell because we're not willing to give our all for the Lord. Listen, Satan's going to get mad. But when Satan gets mad, we ought to get glad. Rejoice that God found us faithful. That we could suffer for the Lord. Listen, there's, it's serious business serving God. It's not a joke. We think because we got saved, hey, everything's all fine and dandy. But there's a battle going on. And I, Satan's crowd's winning right now. You say, what are you talking about? Just look at our land. Look at our country. Look at the world around us. Narrow is the gate. And few there be that find there. But broad is the gate. And many there be that go in there at the way of the world. Listen, what are we going to do about it tonight? What are we holding back from God? Ananias and Sapphira just held back part. Don't hold back anything from God. If God doesn't have all of you, I heard a statement Brother Paulie preached the other night at the training session we had. And he talked about one of the men, I'm losing his name right now, but he said this, that the Holy Spirit told him this. He said, give me the keys to your life. And he held back one key. He gave him all the keys, but he held back one. And the Holy Spirit turned around to walk away and he said, oh, don't leave. He said, listen, if I'm not Lord of all, then I'm not Lord at all. And listen, you can't hold back something from God and say, God, you're my Lord. He's either Lord of all of you or he's not. You can't have both. You can't serve two masters. You're going to serve the Lord or you're going to serve Satan. Heads bowed, eyes closed.